0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Infinite Creative Podcast. My name is Sean. My amigo over here is... Fitz. Um, hey. <laughs> hey, what up, man? So, yes. welcome to our podcast. We talk about all the creative goodness in the world and the not goodness, the scary AI and the good creative skills that you can be learning and kind of our own journey. Um, yeah. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the kind of crazy acquisitional corporate world that exists in the creative tools and you know all of the tools seem to be being bought by these big monopoly type of behemoths is that good is that bad and from there we're going to go ahead and lead this right into a very interesting talk about risk management um and how does that really affect a creative and You know um and yeah fitz is going to kind of walk us through you know should we be focusing on risk or should we not be focusing
1: on risk yeah so so on that note i also want to say we're like kind of like opposites you know the very controlled and then there's the uncontrolled adhd and so there's like two worlds clashing so i will actually ask him a couple things and talk about a couple things and we get his spin on it and we get my spin on it but i think we let's jump right into adobe
0: yeah, yeah. And just very quickly for all of you out there, make sure to like and subscribe. We will appreciate it. Please keep uh, sending comments. We love the engagement. So please keep keep being involved. We love this. So, yeah. So the other day um, on the news, um, a lot of people in the kind of web design world um, probably saw this news that Figma, um, uh, I would say, if not the top, one of the top uh, website UI, UX tools out there where you can um, it's kind of a visual-first kind of website builder, UI builder, um, where you can kind of build websites, apps, and stuff kind of digitally. And, and it's an amazing app. I mean, I, I started using Figma about two years ago, and ever since, I haven't really looked back. It's just, it does things sometimes better than the Adobe products does. It does things better than a lot of the other creative products. And it's just it's just awesome. It's created such a cool yeah. ecosystem. So, of course, with that being said... Um, a big, huge piranha, um, big, huge fish in the in the pond called Adobe um, came in and bought it for twenty billion dollars. Um, just this pocket last change. week, yeah. pocket change. Pocket <laughs> um, yeah. change. And what's really interesting about this, what caught my eye about it is, you know, I I as a designer am very um very big in the Adobe ecosystem. I'm constantly using Adobe tools. I'm yeah. constantly using my Illustrator, my Photoshop. I'm constantly using Premiere, After Effects. I'm always in that ecosystem. And one of the few times I jump out of that ecosystem is to use Figma. Because, um, you know, Adobe has Adobe XD, so that's their yeah. kind of website builder. And it's just not good compared to Figma. I mean, it's just, it's like the diet version of Figma. So um, so
1: how do you feel about that, though? Because, like, you have all those apps, just like a bazillion. You open the Adobe Cloud, a cloud, mm-hmm. and there's, like, 20 programs that you can download. And now I'm like, it's already confusing. And they're all, like, having those weird names and just, like, oh, Audition, Ed, Premiere Pro, blah, blah, blah. And there's so many of them. Yeah and now well, it will it... be more. There will be another button maybe and it's called Figma. I'm like, what? What?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and well and you know, it's and and what's interesting, like I said, the Adobe already has their Figma. So so what I actually view this as is oh, Figma's better competition, let's get rid of the competition and let's take some of their features and boil it into Adobe X D. So I think Figma is probably going to disappear. I would say, um, but well, but you know, you you brought up some of these apps. Um, let me share my screen here real quickly. Um,
1: yeah, on that note too, um, Facebook did the same thing. Like they acquired Instagram. And they basically were like trying to hinder the growth from um, Instagram and basically like, okay, you're not allowed to hire more employees. So Instagram got hold at a limit and Facebook was expanding. So Facebook was like intentionally like limiting the growth of the competing, ca- uh, company that they bought. Like they have no reason to not like, Hey, uh, let Instagram outgrow us. And so Instagram is what it is right now because of Facebook. So it could have been way better
0: yeah exactly and anyone that's been deep in the corporate world um will will know that um that it you that's definitely one of the biggest types of corporate arbitrage that you do is that you you essentially acquire your your competitors or you acquire people that are on the way up that may be a future competitor um i mean even my first internship um, our, um, out of college, um, one of our, our big projects that we had to do that we actually had to present to the CEO was we had to research who were, who were good companies to acquire and, and who should we be taken down? And, and I even researched a couple design agencies that they actually did end up acquiring, um, that were in different areas. I was like, Hey, they're coming up and they're, they're going to start pushing us out in these areas. So, you know, right now you could get them for a pretty penny. So you might as well buy them just so they're not your competition. So a lot of that happens too. Yeah. Um, but quickly to talk about kind of this infographic. So this kind of shows where some of our apps come from. And there's a couple of missing things here. Cause this starts in about 2005, but I want to predate this a little bit. So in 1995, guess what, guess what awesome company Adobe bought? That's one of their biggest products today.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I have an idea, but I'm uh, the, the, no, it's not the PDF thing. Um, I'm
0: so bad with names. Just oh, it's okay. Photoshop. Photoshop was not an Adobe creation. Um, a lot of people would be very surprised. Photoshop was its own company of people. Um, yeah. and, but, um, you know, so, so a lot of their their core things were even bought. So, so on this uh, graph here, you can see a couple of these companies, Macromedia. So, so what did Macromedia do? Well, they created Dreamweaver, and they also created a lot of the Flash, um, the stuff that we know today for Flash editing. So, so they did that. Um, Omniture, Ecosign, these are all just like little things. Ecosign is like a way for you to sign PDFs. Now that's Adobe Signature. Behance, we all know Behance is a social community for creativity. Um, A lot of these, so Photolea, for example, to to call them out, that's now Adobe Stock Photo. That was a stock photo site that they essentially bought. So that's where Adobe Stock came from. Magento, that's a marketing platform. um, So that's Adobe getting into the marketing platform world as well as Marketo. Um, Workfront—that's yeah. a project management tool. That was, they were one of the biggest ones. Bought them. Now Adobe's moving into the project management. Frame.io still exists to some degree, but it's uh, it's big in the video world. It's like a way to collaborate on different videos online. It's a cool tool to, to use as well. It still exists, but um, but Adobe also acquired them as well. And now Figma.
1: And so. so- I'm a little bit confused about the whole thing. So, um, like I said, like Facebook, for example, did the like handicapping Instagram and taking their technology, implementing it and still monetizing like the tools and technology. And that's what Adobe kind of does too. So they could choose to like enhance those companies, giving them funding, giving them more like um, technology or take that, like take the patents, take all those stuff, you know, and put Mm -hmm. it in their own product. So what they going to do with that because it seems like they have their own tool set that they grow and Mm -hmm. then buying all those other companies but don't really enhance them you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean it's just a way to grab features um probably grab cool people on the team and bring them into the adobe universe there's also you know that's something to remember is that there's big team players in these worlds too that are probably really cool so that's how they grab those people um Yeah, I mean, they're going to take the features from Figma, which Figma just does things in really cool ways that Adobe just hasn't done. So it would be cool to see some of the Figma kind of um, shortcuts kind of find their way into other apps as well um figma also does a really good job in collaboration that's one of the things that they recently um revealed was this thing called figma jam where you and i could actually design a website together remotely Oh, that sounds fun (laughs) yeah a little bit coding (laughs) yeah no coding
1: (laughs) yeah on that note though um what is the 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 figma competition from adobe or what was the adobe equivalent so yeah
0: so so adobe had adobe xd and adobe xd you know while being a a decent web builder just very limited on so many things like um things like even interactions like motion and animation things like that it just didn't work well with so so so
1: my question is now they use that thing that kind of does not really work buying figma putting all the figma tools or some of them into this non really working thing it just becomes a convoluted mess and it maybe gets better but it's still kind of a mess that doesn't run efficiently and figma is getting handicapped will be there then the third competition coming up and just being better and they in there what is-, is your prediction how this will turn out will they put features into the weird weirdly working thing or will they just like let figma do its thing and outgrow the their own thing well, what is your inter- prediction? It's
0: very interesting, right? Because they know, Adobe probably knows that if if they go too hard too fast, they'll scare all us Figma people away. We're all going to get mad and we're going to jump off ship. So what usually happens that you're probably going to see in this case is Figma and Adobe XD will keep living side by side for maybe a year, maybe two years. Yeah. So they'll keep Figma going. So I don't think they're going to kick all of us Figma people out and just delete the app. However, um, as as they both kind of live side by side, What's going to happen is um, eventually they're going to have, you know, a a Figma by Adobe or they're going to do like all these kind of like weird integration-y things. And then probably, yeah, in two, three years, there'll be no more Figma. It'll be called like Adobe. And they may get rid of XD or they may just still call it or they may call it like Adobe Figma or Adobe Fig or something. I don't know. But um but yeah, eventually they'll kill off Figma. I don't. I don't see any reason to keep both Adobe XD and Figma going. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if they killed off XD because it was like it was cool when it first came out. I remember when Adobe XD was first premiered. It was like you know because it just wasn't that many tools. But now we're like you know yeah now we're five ten years later. It's a whole different universe already. Um, if you want to talk about competitors now, like um, you know you have you do have other competitors, other website builders that are that are out there. Like you do have Sketch. Sketch is probably now the only one that can really Compete, but Sketch is is not as great as Figma either. I feel like Figma was like kind of the top of the top, the cream of the crop. So, so they took yeah. out the number one now, and so we'll see. I think it's going to be Adobe's the number one, maybe Sketch is the only other number two. Um, but yeah, very interesting. I think it's going to hurt the the app if you if you want my honest I, I opinion. I think it will
1: hurt both apps if you think about it. Like they're trying to make it worthwhile for both. You know, instead of like each company is just like let's go hundred percent grow full force, whatever we can do. Now it's just like, how do we make this useful for us, you know, and Mm -hmm. they obviously want to keep their paycheck, so it's not really beneficial if that company outgrows them and we're just adapting them. So all the CEOs are like, yeah, we have to absorb them and become the better version, but that will change the whole company. And then nothing is really, you know, turning into a clamored one piece thing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and this is nothing new in the in this development world. This happens all the time that companies have been acquired since the beginning of the Internet, even, um, you know. But but I think with that being said, though, I think the magic does die every time you do these kind of acquisitions um, where, you know, you get this thing where you like, you know, you're this tiny startup. But when Figma was probably the small team and they built it up into this huge thing, I yeah. mean, that gives a lot of passion. But then to just get bought by your competitor. He just kind of takes out that flame. um, so with that being said, I do kind of want to like ask you I mean so so with Adobe really taking control of more and more of my apps even so my world yeah. may fully be Adobe, even even how if do you, you trying feel
1: about it. Adobe? so that is my question because like i I'm like the the back in the day Adobe was like, you pay for it, you get it now it's like you rent your software. What is nice if you're on a budget and just like, oh, I need some tools for this month. You know, um, if you're really on a budget, it's really easy to shell out $20 for Premiere Pro and you start editing your first geek, for example. But if you do long term, it's really annoying. What is your part? Your opinion about that?
0: Well, there's a there's a very interesting direction that the entire economy, the world economy is moving where you don't own anything. Um, Recently at like the um, global economic um uh whatever this about six months ago seven eight months ago um the leader kind of his whole thing was like in the future you will own nothing and you will love it and a lot of people kind of like like we're kind of pushed back by that like well I'll own nothing and I'm going to love it and I think that's what adobe's tried to do so there there's good things about us not owning the software anymore um where it's constantly being updated it it does all link together very smoothly now um and so, and it all lives in one place now where before, yeah. yeah, I used to have to buy my illustrator disc that was somewhere in there. And if I, if I had to reload illustrator, I'd have to go digging through my stuff and a Photoshop disc over here. And, but you know, it, it was awesome. Cause I owned it back then. Um, I, I definitely, when it first started, when, when they first went to creative cloud, I was not a fan, man, I was yeah. against it vehemently. I thought it was such a, a stupid um, power play and that, you know, it's, and it was, and it has become more expensive, right? Like, you know, I used to pay, yeah, I don't know, it's $500. Now. Yeah, I used to pay like $300, 500 for one of the apps. But then, you know, then I owned it. Um, where like now it's like, yeah, in one year I pay that for one app. So, yeah, so you know, it's, annoying. yeah, so it's, so for me, so I guess like, I while I'm a fan of everything getting put in one tool set, I'm not against that because I do like you know Adobe's done great with their their libraries too. Where like you know having Figma connected to my Adobe library is pretty cool. Where right? I could drag stuff, it's literally just dragging out of a library onto the artboard, and that's kind of cool. I do love that. Um, yeah. Apple's done the same thing, right? With like, with like airdrop and stuff like, well, if we make it a little easier to work in the ecosystem, then we can trap you in the ecosystem. And that's kind of what Adobe's done to a degree of like, if we make the ecosystem really easy, the second you get out of that e- ecosystem, we're going to penalize you.
1: Um, yeah. So with that thing, what you just said, like everything is becoming like, no, nobody's an owner, everybody's just renting. That is mm-hmm. like tremendously nice till you get it excluded you know, or banned, like there's like occasions, where like if you have a YouTube channel, for example, and you, you're uploading to YouTube, it's run by bots. So sometimes your stuff gets flagged and it's like, Oh, you, you were doing this and that, and they will not really tell you why you get banned. But if you get banned from Google you don't mm-hmm. know how bad your life will be <laughs> you know there's like mm-hmm. bank accounts um, uh, facebook's and whatever email addresses you know that is all internet uh, inter interconnected and it becomes really hard to mm-hmm. basically become an identity on the internet without the main players like apple google you know you need to be at least in each of them or one of them to be even like part of the society nowadays and now imagine being excluded and like renting your your apps Mm -hmm. and everything is nice as long as it's like not a completely monopoly like if adobe would own everything they could raise the price till it's like too toxic but there's no way out of it because you have to be part of it you know so that's like the goal Mm -hmm. and that's the problem with it i think
0: well yeah yeah well yeah you bring up a great example with Google they've done such a good job with the login using Google where even I'm so locked into that and it cuz they've they figured out like oh yeah passwords are a pain in the butt like people no matter how good you are with passwords you're having problems with passwords on something so why don't we make that no. easy and it works, I use it and I'm in their ecosystem. Cause I, I, you know, cause who wants to use one password or one of these third party things? No, everybody funky. wants
1: to do that, but we can't because like if one password is getting leaked, you know, you can kind of screwed. That's the problem, you know? So that's what, that's the, the Achilles. We are all bad with passwords. There's no way that we come up with uh, 150 characters that are really unique and we just type them quickly in. No, and each website, a different one that, that ain't working. So, yeah
0: like... and, and so Google just you know they've just perfected their two-factor authentication system things like that where they're just like hey let's just have a button and let's just have every website be able to put this button and I use it all the time now and so so it's that ease of use it's it's interesting where the easier it gets the more entrapped it's it feels like we become and so so I mean with your tools in the video world do you see this or is there or do you still see it kind of being very separate are you <sighs> using multiple different companies so
1: so I have like free editing software that I use. Like I use Adobe, I use uh, Final Cut, and I use DaVinci Resolve. I'm like in each of them, like um, very experienced, like in the medium, I would say, Um, some of them more advanced like Adobe, for example. But if I go, if you switch sides, they don't really work really well together. But if you use um, Adobe's thing, and then you go into After Effects, very, so it's a good transition because you can just export into that thing and then work from there. But different softwares, for example, like DaVinci Resolve has like After Effects built in. So you better off buying DaVinci Resolve, runs more efficient if you buy the full version because then you get the CPU acceleration and stuff like that. And you have it built in, but it costs 299 and most people don't do the jump. You know, it's easier to just pay $20 a month, getting the premiere pro and then spend another, couple bucks for the the add on, you know, and it's like $30 a month then, and you, you get both of them. But if you would just spend the extra money, you will get one piece of software that can do everything, but it's like, you know, completely different Mm. concept. And they are like clashing kinder.
0: Yeah, so I mean, um, so would you say that the DaVinci Resolve, do you think that that's a better software then, would you say? Yeah, it's more
1: organized, it's more efficient. Uh, So the problem is DaVinci Resolve is free, which is great. So they basically get everybody like started for free, and it's like a color grading software that evolved into a really powerful editing um, software with a lot of tools, and now they added like the next tool, like the, the After Effects, which is completely different than adobe's version because they are like yeah very node based so you have to connect nodes and build basically a node tree where um, premiere uh, like after effects is like a little bit different it's more layers and stuff like that and overall it's not that efficient and it's not as smooth as DaVinci Resolve, because like they have Fusion, that's how they call it, but it's just a tab in the editing software. So you go into the next tab, then you can do some After Effects stuff in DaVinci Resolve. Then you go to the next tab, you do some color grading. Then you go to the next tab and you, you hit um, export. And now okay. what, Adobe, yeah, so what Adobe did, is like, oh, well, let's copy that. And it's not really that good because it's just like, they had like their work process that was very customizable. So it's like windows. So you can have different windows. You can arrange them and do stuff. And you have color grading and multiple windows and multiple ways to do it. But there was not like a clear one, two, three, four path. You know, not, it was all over the place. And now they force it on you. And it's just like feels convoluted.
0: Huh. so which one's the easier to use, do you think? Do you think the DaVinci is the easier to use, or do you think it's more complicated for more kind of experienced
1: users? I, I think like no matter, what, so they are not very intuitive, like most of them. Like um, DaVinci is like kinda easy to use in the beginning. Um, Adobe has more features if we just like, it's easier to learn because more people adapted it and there's more tutorials. Final Cut is also on the same level. So it's like, it's really iffy, but after you have like spent like some time in it, like I would say after you spend like a month or two in, in the software, I think DaVinci would be the better tool, but the problem is like, yeah, the, the user base, the more user base you have, the more tutorials, the more assets you get, the more features and yeah, it's, a, it's, mm. it's a little bit of hype train you have to adapt to. So, yeah, I mean, well, because
0: what I was kind of getting to with that, too, is, like, one thing I have noticed that Adobe is trying to do is they're trying to make everything easier. Um, They're trying to make it, like, the the ability to do things to get easier. Um, Like, when I grew up as a designer, After Effects was actually pretty similar to what it is today but just very complicated so many windows so many so many so much verbiage that's not used in other apps that it's only used in after effects all these like different weird ways. especially
1: combinations on the keyboards and all that stuff Mm -hmm.
0: and one thing I'm noticing um, especially and I actually want to talk about this a little bit too is that um is that they're definitely starting to see Canva. They're starting to see these other softwares that are like, they're all about easy, 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 easy. How do we make this as easy as possible for someone who has no experience with these tools to come in and start creating stuff? And Adobe has now really recently released Adobe Express. And that's their answer of like, hey, here's all these... Yeah, here's all these templated things. Here's you know, here's access to the Adobe Stock photo library, which is actually photo Photolia from which I told you they acquired back in 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so it's like you know, so they're trying to do the same thing. So I think that's that's where it's kind of interesting, right? Is like you know, jumping out of the Adobe world is possible, and the software may be better than Adobe. But where Adobe's trying to kill everyone else is like. Yeah, but are you going to spend all that time to learn the DaVinci software that's harder to use? Or, hey, come over here. We got this easy templated thing. You can even use After Effects templates right in. Just plop it in. Um, And so I think, because that's one thing, too, I I, I have noticed, um, speaking of After Effects, is that they've recently started to um, invite really well-known animation people and cinematography people to actually create um their own kind of actions and and automatic effects in after effects so now they're actually and this is just recent just this month they've started to release new kind of templated filters and things you can so so this one really well known cinematographer animation guy he he actually released a library and this is on after effects so this isn't like you have to go buy He just this. released
1: it? He got paid for it?
0: Yeah yeah, he got paid by Adobe and it's very simple stuff but it's like it's all the stuff you have nice. to go you'd have to go out and buy like so like your slide in text or like your your double split text and your and it's all very professional but now it's in the app now like they're like why yeah. do you need to go you don't need to go buy these templates like we just have it in the app now yeah. so
1: so so, so that, that is also really interesting because like there there's like a um, how do you say it? Um, a stigma to it, you know, like, let's say you, you use the stock version of the software, everybody who uses the software knows that you use the, the stock version and they are like judging you. But on the one side, is it actually bad if it's good? You know what I mean? So yeah, obviously yeah. you, you, you still have the, the, the bias of like you being the professional knowing like this is the stock version and the client, mm-hmm. no idea. He maybe even wants that stuff. So it's that's like... exactly
0: that's exactly it is is you know the yeah the the people in the community may think you use stock but they're not the ones paying your bills so so that's the argument there is um, yeah as long as your clients don't and and your clients don't necessarily care if you use stock I think I think you know if you talk yeah. to an actual business person you know if we had you know Gary V on here he would just be like I don't care if it takes you two seconds to do something does it look cool do you deliver on time that's all just I care fucking about do it <laughs> just fucking <laughs> do it but yeah but I mean like you know so I think. So, yeah. So I don't think your clients really care. And I, I, I think for me, I've had a hard time with that where I've had to learn the hard way to do everything. Like, God, I remember when like you would have someone with like crazy hair and I would try to be like going in there with like the paintbrush tool to just try to get every little thing of the hair to go in. the. And now you have like, you know, uh, select subject. Yeah, yeah. Select subject. And it does better than I ever did in like one second. So it's like. Yeah. So for me I do I do find myself getting like, Meh. well I had to learn that and I remember I had to walk ten thousand yeah. miles in the snow every day. You know, but um but yeah. We basically have to easy. learn
1: to swallow our ego, what is weird, you know, because we took pride in the skills that we learned, you know. And I was like, everybody mm. can do it. And it's it's super weird because I still don't know how to deal with this, you know, because everybody's a videographer nowadays everybody's doing this and that you know and it's just like everything oh yeah go to squarespace you get a website in five minutes actually looks decent if you get the right nice templates you know just upload some photos and you're kind of you're good you know depending on whatever and however you do it like my squarespace website i ain't cutting it (laughs)
0: yeah well and there's still there yeah and there's still the, these different levels that you can tell i mean could you go to squarespace whip something up that looks good sure but can you whip something up that looks great probably not i mean probably not
1: i, I actually have now like a uh concept so it seems like people with the best um um how do you say that flavor or like um self-branding or um whatever they find attractive um, with the best how, how do you call it again I forgot the word like um, like aesthetic flavor. or yeah with the best aesthetic and the best way to describe their style um they basically have the best um outcome out of all those um scenarios that are coming up right now because like oh you have a good um style and you just choose good styles AI is great you you just describe something and the way you like it, you will get a good outcome. But the person who has like a bad style and has no taste basically is like struggling, you know, and basically they get punished, but everybody who has like a great Mm -hmm. taste with the great equalizer gets everything how they want it. And it will look amazing, you know?
0: Right. Well, and there's also, there's two different types of creatives out there. And I and I feel like I'm the second one in this. But the first type of creator is someone that, yeah, they only do their style. People come to them. Like, if I want flat geometric, I go to that guy that does it. If I want, you know, very, very photo- photographic motion, I'll go to this guy. But like um but i i'm actually the second type of creative i feel like who you adapt based on the the client's needs yeah so if if this one client needs fun goofy cartoons i can do that if this guy needs serious cutting edge lens flare stuff then i can do that um i think so i think there's those two different types of creatives
1: right um But one of them is not benefiting from those tools because like, obviously I have a friend who is a really good photographer and has a very distinct style. I adore his style. Technically, he's not really like the technical, you know, so I'm like, if I would have your style, I could like replace, you now with that AI thing, but you could use this AI thing and just keep that style going, you know, and make it like even more how you imagine it where I'm like, I don't even know what I want to do. Because I'm like the same person like you. I'm just like I want to do what the client needs versus like what I want. And my personal style is like very weird, you know. It's not like um, designed.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, and maybe maybe that's something that you 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 need to work on a little bit. I mean, I definitely think that we all should have our own fingerprints. That kind of and they, I yeah. think they show. They should show up automatically. You may feel like you don't have a style, but I'm sure if like. I mean, but if anybody. I showed, like, five of your videos to someone that doesn't know you, I'm sure they could kind of come up with, like, some, like, yeah, I can see that this is the same guy. Like, it's, it's interesting because, like, you, you may not – you may even try to be completely different, but there's yeah. always, like, some connective stuff that you'll see. Even in my stuff, you'll see I do some different different, but you'll kind of see, like, oh, there is something here that makes it seem like it's from him. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it's, so like, to – yeah, it's – it's I, I feel like – it, it just depends like I think you can do both very well I think you could be very focused in like your one thing or you could be the person that just tries to be something for everyone but you just have to be very honest with yourself then so if you are this yeah. guy that wants to do things for the client then then you need to like then market yourself as higher than the tools like which I've talked about in past episodes is like don't don't define yourself based on the tool. Of, of just being like, well, what's your vision? Are you about storytelling? Are you about getting something quality fast? Are you about changing the world? Like get to these kind yeah. of bigger ideas. Um, but if you are the guy that's like, hey, I just do this one style, then you need to like market yourself as a tool in a way, right? Because yeah. you, you know that you're the geometric style guy. So then you need to market yourself like Adobe would market themselves as a company that's a tool would market themselves. Um, and that's where things like your Upwork, your Fiverr, yes those are those are places you can put yourself where that you're exactly you, it forces you to be like i do this one thing pay me um yeah. but but also on your website also on other things um where you you if you want if you're only going to be that one guy then you need to go full lean in don't don't be the geometric guy but then have this one photo video thing on your website no get rid of that it needs to all be the same thing then
1: yeah but i i think like those people will benefit like the most right now out of that because like they have a very distinct style and the tools are becoming easier and easier. And they're just like, yeah, I want this style as a website, I want this style as a portrait photo, I want to have this style as a um, preset as a lot for my videos, you know, and it's like, oh, everything is becoming easier and easier. And the people who benefit the most from that will people who have a very clear distinct style and mission and or vision in general, and they will be like able to use all those tools in a very clear way where everybody else Who's not really clearly in that niche or has a clear vision will struggle a bit more in this new area. Yes you know what no. I mean?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I mean, when you say style, we might as well be saying trend, and we all know what happens with trends, right? So yeah. that that's my thing too. Is if you're like. Yeah, I do this very, you know, postmodern minimalist style. That's not going to go away, but that may get out of popularity at some point. So you may then have to be okay with the lulls when nobody cares about your style anymore. And it may come back, like, you know, disco came back, but like, you may then have to wait 20 years for the style to come back. So that's where I I would rather be the guy that's like, no, I'm always going to be a creative, even on the, when we're doing flat geometry, if we're doing photos, if we're not even doing any visuals anymore, we're just doing typography You know, that's where it's like, I would rather be that guy. So like when the ice age comes, I can still go out and hunt as good as it is here in the middle of the summer. I don't want to. So I don't know. It just depends. I think like both are pros and cons. And I think, you know, with the tools to get back kind of the tools and, 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 you know, does them becoming one big thing help us or hurt us? um, I think in the long run, I think it hurts us personally. I think like it doesn't, it doesn't allow for more creativity. It doesn't allow for more crazy ideas to happen. Um, it just essentially, cause, cause I don't think Adobe's going to take over Figma and then Figma is going to keep getting better and better. I, I don't believe that. I don't think anyone believes that. Like when they took over Photoshop, I don't think Photoshop's really changed since then, since 1995, really. Yeah. They've added little things here and there, but it's still, still filters. It's still a raster thing. It's still just like illustrator, which used to be owned by someone else too, I believe And PDFs, those are still pretty much the same since vectors were created in the eighties. So I don't think Adobe's going to go in and like really improve anything i think i think so i think it's it's bad in a way i think it's it's just going to it's just uh the corporate world kind of messing up our world now it yet again it brings everything together which is cool it gives me one kind of drawer with all my tools but yeah you know, i i think it's better to have some of these other tools that are outside of that ecosystem Um keeping mm-hmm. them honest
1: true 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 yeah well i think this is now time where we um jump ship to the second um um uh, topic and that is risk management because like obviously it was a risk for adobe to buy figma but it's also like their way of risk management so that was mm-hmm. like the reason how i wanted to transition with a segway but <laughs> the segue got a little bit convoluted because we got lost in the sauce but yeah the risk management is like very important i think like even as a small creator or as a big creative company um yeah so let's share the screen i think so that we're having some infographics. Oh, there's a nice website. Look at that. So currently, Rachel, my wife, um, is going through a class for risk assignment, uh, risk management. I think like the whole um, concept is kind of weird, you know, because on the one side, obviously, you want to identify the risk, analyze the risk, and then evaluate the rank of the risk and then treat the risk and monitor the and review the risk. But in the end, I, I see it as like, okay, you're a child. You're very, uh, you you enjoy risk, and you go out there, you you learn, and the older you get, the more you learn what risk means, and you uh, become stubborn, less flexible, and you're just becoming like a person that is like, okay, risk averse, and you do what, what you know works. What also has the side effect of like, you are stuck in your way and you're not, um, you know, pivoting as fast as other people would do that are younger than you. And you kind of can translate that to startups. Startups, they're just like, oh yeah, we take all this risk on. We don't know if this will work out, but we just like make it work. And then there's the big companies, like the old people, and they're just like, okay, we kind of have to manage our risk. So where do you fall in right now? How would you describe, yourself because like i'm i'm trying to be a kid where it's like i want to take a lot of risks on and just like stay young and flexible where other people are like kind of like stuck in their way and they know what works
0: i think it's uh layers of gray right i think we're all uh you know we all have our risk adverse cities that we have when we all take risks in different ways i think what's interesting about the risk management process is the word management right so it's not saying don't don't totally ignore risk or totally be consumed by risk. It's just saying manage it. So it's just like anxiety, right? Like anxiety is not a bad thing necessarily. It saves you when the cheat is coming at you or you go down a dark alley and you see a mysterious figure, you know, that's, that's when anxiety is helping you, but can anxiety also consume you and keep you locked in your bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the same thing is here with, with risk where, yeah. So where, where am I in the process? Everywhere. I think everyone should be. I mean, when I take on a new project, I think what, what's cool about the risk management process is every new project, you should quickly run through these steps, right? Evaluate the risk. Um, see if there's anything weird with this client. Treat that risk. If there is something weird, how do we, how do we get past this? Did, after we do do that, monitor it. Did that actually work? You know identify if there's more risks analyze if any of this is working and then evaluate again so i think it's like you know now should you be consumed by that no but should you maybe be thinking about that we've talked about your gut feeling last episode And that's risk management in a way, right? That's you evaluating the risk is that gut feeling. But,
1: but that's also the old guy getting older and like getting more experience, you know, because sometimes maybe that one weird client could be, you know, the introduction to something else, you know, that is like it's, it's a weird concept where it's like on the one side, you want to manage your risk, but on the other side, like if you do, you say no to opportunities, what is a very interesting thing. Um, but also what I find interesting about risk management is like, you can apply it to anything and everything, uh, be it like strategy, insurance, um, branding, because like on the one side, like my problem is like, I don't focus enough on branding, because like, i just want to do what is best for my clients. So I'm personally not really seeing myself like oh this is me with a very clear style that i force onto the world i'm like okay i want to see your problem and i want to figure out what i can do for you and come up with creative solutions you know mm-hmm. but on the other side that has the risk of like oh he does not have a brand style or whatever you know and obviously the more i would develop a brand with a distinct style the more clients i would get in that direction but It is like, you can apply this risk management process onto everything. And it's kind of, yeah, it is, it is a weird conundrum because the more you lean into managing your risks, the, the clearer and structured you become. And then that is risky in itself. I
0: mean, is it though? I mean, is it really risky to be clear and structured? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think. I think if you if you're scared to say no to everything then sure. If you have yeah. to say yes to every possibility that walks across your path then yeah, risk management sucks. But yeah. if you want to say bad to the things that are going to ultimately waste your time, then I think risk management's a good thing. I think um I think a lot of creatives including myself to this day are still stuck in this place of like say yes to everything. And if you say no, then you deserve to to not have anything. And it's like, no, you, you should be able to say no, you should actually get a good opportunity. But if you see the risks, if you see that this will drive you into the ground, then say no, you know, and be proud of saying no to a, a possibility. Um, and then I would even push back that like, you know, Your style is already there. You said it very, at the very beginning, your branding is right there. I just want to help clients get their solutions. That's a branding right there. I mean, I think some people get so caught up in their own selfish style. Like I'm this sleek artist and and it's like, no, you're not, you're a tool. Sorry. You're a tool like that. You get paid by someone to do something. If you want to go be Van Gogh or, or go be some guy with his own style, then go be an artist. Like yeah. you're, you're not an artist. You are a tool, you are a tool set. I, I, I hate to say it. <laughs> so I think your branding is, is that you said it in the first sentence, I just want to help my clients. Then that's your branding. Like it doesn't, who cares if you can make shapes, who cares if you can use this software to do something different? Like no one really cares because you're not an artist. You're a tool.
1: True, true, true. Um, and this is how everything falls apart with his like clear analyzed styles, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. But uh, for example, like there, there's like I wanted to be like um, the reputation risk, for example, you know, um, I wanted to talk about like Chick Fil A, for example, where basically like they clearly don't really support the um, LGBT community, and that is what mm-hmm. their reputation kind of is. Like they force their way onto um, the customers, and it's like if you agree or not, it's the risk is evaluated kind of sort of. You would assume they would like okay, like some of them will not like us and will not buy from us ever but some of them will do and it's like it's a really weird thing to do like with reputation and you can use it in so many ways um but yeah you have to evaluate it and yeah that was one well of the-
0: well yeah i mean to use your example and that's not very risky at all is it i mean 63 percent of the u.s population is christian 210 million people are christian so that means the majority of the u.s. is going to see oh they're closed on sunday oh that's so great i'm gonna go there like who cares about canes i'm gonna go to chick-fil-a because they're respectful of the lord or jesus christ and that's 63 percent of the u.s. so really that was them using risk management and being like oh yeah why don't we appeal to like you know
1: why don't we appeal to most of the u.s yeah so but here's the thing though if they would not say that at all they could have had maybe 100 percent of the us but because they mm-hmm. appeal to the niche of the 60 percent, that is more than um and maybe a hundred you know what i mean so yeah it, but so if you
0: if you if you appeal if you appeal to everyone then you win nobody over it's one of those things if you if you have a you know, it's I remember when I uh, I have a friend who he, he used to flip apartments and he used yeah. to ask him, why are all apartments walls painted white? Every apartment you ever move into, all the walls are painted white. And he's like, because everyone hates white the same. And that's a, <laughs> and it's an interesting point because it does. It levels the playing field and and where it's like, yeah, but if you have these like, you know, a, a blue, you paint all the walls this blue color. Yeah. Some people are going to walk in and be like, yeah, I hate blue. I hate this apartment. However, some people are going to walk in and be like, I love blue. This is perfect. We have to get this apartment.
1: So, so you're basically so. So here's an interesting concept on that one. So now imagine an apartment complex that markets themselves with blue walls only, and you get only blue walls. Would you would you say the more you lean into this, the better it will be? Because like you could clearly market to people with blue walls. It, yeah there's... i mean
0: yeah it would though wouldn't it like if you were looking at stuff and you even go to this apartment's website and it's all blue stuff the walls are blue it's doing this like aqua marine theme almost and it stands out compared to like you know the generic like you know brookside communities here's a tree here's your white apartment here's your generic sure. fridge and your generic floor fluorescent fixtures you know what i mean it's like like at least you get people excited then right
1: yeah on the on the one side i'm just now like okay should i lean now completely haywires into my strong beliefs you know and take that as like oh yeah i analyze the risk like apparently the more i specific uh, are specific with whatever i like the the better it is because people can identify with it and that should be beneficial because like in the beginning it's like kind of weird let's say like um you're christian you believe in aliens and you believe in like fitness and you believe in um non-immigrants kind of sort of like i'm I'm going for here from an example that is very distinct things they're kind of contradicting themselves you would assume though because he's like leaning really into like um, a niche Mm -hmm. he would do well but he's not doing well so
0: <sighs> oh, who who who? Oh, just that person you created.
1: Um, it's not a creation, actually. It's a it's a real life example. No, that's a person
0: you just don't want to shout him out. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but but you know,
1: so so that is the thing. Like he clearly branded himself very strongly in very very strong directions. So there should be like people mm-hmm. aligning towards that, but they don't.
0: Well, and maybe the quality just isn't good. See, that's the thing too, is it's like, it's like, I've always said this, you can say any joke as long as it's, as long as it's, you know, brilliant. As long as you, as long as you feel like it's witty, you can say anything as long as it's witty. But if it's not witty, you've been there where someone said like a inappropriate joke, but it wasn't really witty and everyone just goes quiet. Like, and it feels hmm. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but but you've also been there when someone said something completely inappropriate and and I try to be that guy. It Says something so inappropriate, however it's so funny that everyone just has to laugh, you know. Um yeah. and I I think that's kind of that's almost what I think of here too is like you can kind of think and do and say anything as long as it's good, right? But if it's yeah. not good, then yeah, everyone's just going like, no, this isn't so, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the risk management, to get back to that, I think I think that's happening all the time. I think it's it, that's just being honest about your surroundings, right? It's just like, I think that's why, have you ever heard of a SWOT analysis, the strength, weakness, opportunity, threats? Um, something for all of you out there. I mean, a lot of yeah. marketing and business people out there know about this, but... You know, um, so look it up, you know, S W O T at some point, if for any of you guys watching, you know, um, I I won't do a deep dive on this now, but, but it's being honest about like, what are our weaknesses? What are our opportunities? What are our threats? You know, a lot of people, they just think of that their strength, right? I'm a good designer. I design this really well. That's my strength. Yeah, sure. But like, what are your weaknesses? What's the opportunities here? Like I live in Colorado. So if I like to only make mountain logos, then it's like, meh, you're going to be in some tough competition in Colorado. But like, you know, where if you're in Florida and you're like, yeah, I, I, I only do videography of beaches. Well, good luck. You and everyone else in that whole state. So that's, that's you know, so, so it's just being honest about the lay of the land. That's why I like about risk management is, you know, that's why whole corporations have people that only do risk management because it's their job to be like, hey, you guys are all focused on this, but I'm way back here and you didn't even see this big meteorite that's going to come in and destroy everything you're working on. So, but, but
1: that is part of the risks too. some risk you cannot see and you don't know about it. It's like Adobe acquiring Figma because they clearly see it as the risk, but they don't know about player number three, who's building like the best out of all worlds, like from Figma, Adobe and other tools combining it to a new thing. So managing mm-hmm. risk on the one side, I think it's like impossible, you know, because like you cannot manage risk because you don't know the risk, even though you try to evaluate it. You only can assess the risk that you know you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah well yeah i mean that, and that's yeah that's why there's no um it's it, it's it's in the name itself it's management not risk aversion or a risk deletion or risk getting rid of risk like even in yeah. the process itself they're, they're 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 understanding there's no getting rid of the risk it's just knowing as much as you can and yeah and of course there's stuff you're gonna miss there's yeah that's why companies go out of business all the time they all have risk management people uh, why do they go out of business then well there's there's stuff that the risk management misses too um it's something it's it's interesting and it's definitely a skill I feel like even creatives really should have we I mean we should really understand even in our own processes things that we do actually can be risky I do it all the time in projects um where I'll find a, a time sink where I'll, I'll do something and it takes forever it takes way too long and yeah. I, I, instead, at the beginning of the process, I should have looked at this one thing and been like, hey, Sean, this is risky. This little thing here, this thing that you thought was so easy to do, That's very so cool. risky. Yeah. Very risky. You're now three hours into it. You should have done this in 10 minutes. Now we're three hours in. You should have thought about the risk ahead of time. Now you're in the middle of it. You should have thought like, it happens to me all the time when I'm quoting a project. I have to be, when I start to estimate on a project now, it used to take me like an hour or two to just whip something up. And now it could take a day or two because I literally do a feasibility study. I literally go out and see is it feasible what i just promised i need to like see that even before i give them an estimate i need to go out and just try it um that's risk management because so, so, i can't tell you how many times i've been in a project and like we're m- midway through it and it's just like oh crap i can't do that thing i promised you but we're too far down the road now i can't go yeah. back
1: I mean it's it's a very interesting process because like like you said everybody should do risk management obviously some people do it too much and they don't even get started because you can like oh it's kind of risky to start that new business get that loan and keep it running or you kind of break some rules and it's like okay you run a business without an LSE and you're just like accepting money and um you know like this there's, there's always a risk to something and sometimes it's worth taking a risk to get a benefit and then become like more efficient and sufficient with whatever you're running. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm like, it's like, it's a weird thing for me. I was like, okay, I'm very, a very risky person. I would say kind of sort of like, I take a lot of risk on and I'm just like, I should maybe take less risk on and become more like the cookie cutter fits with his distinct style with the clear branding, my stance, for example, no branding. I'm like, I need branding. If I want to appeal to a bigger market, you know, and that's like one of the things mm-hmm. where I'm like, I need to lean into that and need to learn about that. And that's why I thought like, oh, I should evaluate my branding. And it's like one of the things where I'm like, this is risky, not doing so I'm should do it because obviously not doing it hurts me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And and it kind of connects to brand because you brought up brand a few times in this, um, is that so when I do a brand workshop, um, what, what I do at the very beginning of the brand workshop is I put this kind of bullseye kind of thing on the board, right? Yeah. And so the, the, the outer ring of that bullseye is, is what is it that you do? So in your case, let's say videography, that's what you do. Then the inner ring is how do you do it, okay? That's that's kind of the next most important thing. Oh, so you're going
1: thing. inwards.
0: You're going inward, and the and the, the, the bullseye is, is the most important part. So so the out is what you do. That's like the least important thing, is what you do, even. <laughs> the, the, the middle <laughs> the doing? middle. Least important. <laughs> least important. A lot of people think it's the most important. Every brand workshop I start, they're like, yeah, what I do, let's make that the logo. Like, I'm a lawn care company, put a lawn mower as the logo. And so so that's the outer ring is what you do. That's the least important the next most imp- the the next most important thing is how do you do it how do you do it differently how how do you do this thing differently than the other people but what's the most what's more important than even how you do it is why do you do this why are you in this tell me why why are you even doing this like if you're just doing this to make money you're not winning me over like why? Like like you said before, the like money we, bag with
1: the camera.
0: <laughs> money bag with a camera. That's the logo. But like you know, but but like what you said earlier. Your first sentence, you were like, yeah, I don't have any personal branding. All I do is I want to help all my customers tell their story. That's the branding. That's the that's the why. That's actually the most important damn thing of the whole thing. Like screw you logos, would assume, screw though, colors. though that you
1: then get like more, you know. But obviously, you have to also communicate your why. And if you don't communicate your why, you you'll end up where we and a lot out. of
0: people don't like how many I mean like go to Instagram even and find some of the best people making stuff and see how they communicate the why and they don't a lot of people don't we live in this Instagram world where it's about flashy stuff wasn't that cool okay oh, I but highly like...
1: animated and it's too clean and yeah it's not really relatable like you could spend like a ton of time in After Effects and now you get a really highly polished really cool Graphic and you're just like hmm. I don't, I don't care. It's not. I real. see it all the
0: time You see it all the time in music now right where you get this like very polished music that's out there and you just find yourself being like
1: eh. This is a like pop it's... song.
0: Yeah, and it's like some someone that came from suburbia. They don't really have any story. That's compelling They don't really they're not saying anything. It's like really offensive or new. It's just like and it's very polished sounding and then you have, like, you know, you have, like, a rock band. You have, like, Queens of Stone Age or something. You have someone that's just grimy and just, like, yeah, we're doing this crazy, like, unperfect stuff. I'm more compelled by the the imperfections, you know, honestly. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, so, I, yeah, I, I would say in terms of the risk management part of this, I, I feel like it's 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 also seeing the risk of being too polished, seeing the risk of being focused on the wrong things, you know. So, like, for you, like, if you if you were right now to, like, kind of walk in on your career – um you know what's the biggest risk would you say like right now if you were to be risk management on yourself of your own company what's the what's the biggest
1: risk so so for me in the niche I am like I'm getting replaced by cameras basically by smartphones they have free lenses everybody has them it is a a commodity nowadays it's not a luxury Mm -hmm. anymore obviously some people want to pay big bucks to stand out in a market where it's nearly impossible to stand out because the quality level is already up, up, up there with like, everybody can see Netflix, see a production studio of like 50 million, 70 million. Everybody saw that quality. It's not anymore, wow. Even if the quality like of the new Avengers is like tremendous, if the storyline kind of sucks, nobody really cares, you know? Yeah. So and the same thing is now with smartphones, like, yeah, there's people posting with real cameras, the story just sucks. And we don't care because it's too Polish. And you immediately can tell the owner of that company, he just had money and he spent money on something where I don't care about. So I can just swipe and I already skip like a bad story because they did not put the, the time into a creative or um, interesting ad because they just spend money. And it's just like, Oh, yeah, best quality, no story, no creativeness, because like, it's really hard to pay for creative stuff. So I'm just like, all the gear that I have is kind of a risk right now. If I would lean into it, I would just like completely sell everything and just buy more smartphones, and just try to become more creative.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're saying, yeah. So the risk that you've had is that you've put in um, just you've put in a huge amount of money into maybe not huge, but you put a lot of money into equipment that may be irrelevant now. That's the risks. Yeah, which is That is one of the
1: things like the other risk would be like, oh, I'm focusing on too many things. So I'm just like, should I shoot the dog and Mm. be like, I only do one thing now, you know, and then which thing do I do? What do I like more? And I don't even know what I like.
0: So yeah, so you've identified the risk. Well, let's analyze it now. Then, so what's the threat? Oh, if you deep what's dive. The, what's the threat? No, I think this is fun. So like, so if you do a yeah. threat, like you know, so if you keep going down this road, let's say, what's the
1: threat? Like if you if you keep buying stuff and yeah, so the, so right now all my stuff is paid for, so that is nice. So everything I bought, okay. clients bought it, but all obviously there's no retirement. That is the thing I'm missing out on. I'm basically. Running. There's no end yeah, there's no yeah so there, there's always something new coming out it's basically called gas like gear acquisition syndrome as a videographer you're addicted to that the next tool you buy makes your videos even better and the more you buy oh you have a super stabilized camera you have like all the lights lighting is key you know and you can go down that road and you always spend more money but you don't reap a benefit so right now i'm just like okay for my landstand company i bought everything to basically Manufacture like resin pieces so that they glow in the dark and they are like, you know, not any more plastic, they're resin and becoming crystal like. But obviously, if I would spend more money, I could buy more gear and make them more smooth, more perfect, same with Mm -hmm. my video stuff, but I should run a profit first, you know, but Mm -hmm. I currently am high risk and I'm just like, okay, I need to figure something out that gives me um, a decent amount of money. And it's mm-hmm. worth the risk. And till I find that, I basically run zero profit. So whatever money I get, I'm just survival and profit till I find the thing, and then I jump on towards.
0: Right, right. So it's almost well, it sounds a risky like...
1: risky strategy to run, you know? So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know a lot of videographers too that have gas, that have the gear acquisition syndrome, and I feel like that is, um, I think that's almost like where we talked about SWAT. Right? We have that. We have the strength, weakness, opportunities, threats. It seems like with with gas you're just in the opportunities you're just like there's so many opportunities why would i not go after all these opportunities um which i think you're really great at i think that's like one of your biggest strengths is that you actually are very quick i feel like to see opportunities and and pivot towards those opportunities and that's and that is cool. But yeah, I think it's the seeing the threats part is, is part of it, which is cool. It sounds like you are seeing that. You are seeing that you've. you've yeah, so, so for if me. If you keep going down this road, it's, it's a bad road to keep going down.
1: Yeah, so I compare myself to obviously other videographers, you know, and they build their kid. You know, I don't really have a kid. Like, um, I have multiple cameras where some videographers have one camera have like mm. a kit built around the camera, they rig it out, you know, and they're like, we putting there the rails on it. So I could put the battery pack in the back and the bigger it is, the more I can charge because clients see big camera, big money. And that's, that's kind of how it works too. But if mm. I have three cameras, I have more opportunities and I can basically like, okay, I film three angles myself. Or if I have four cameras, I can do even that and get different like live streams, for example. And I'm mm. like, I'm more, um, opportunity-based with my kit building because like I still spent the money, but it's like, oh, now I have the capability of 360 videography. Then I spend time on like um, blender where I can generate like artificial 360 worlds and can animate videos with that where other people just like focus on that one thing and become really good at that. And I'm just like, am I too universal? Yeah. You see maybe, what I mean? Maybe not.
0: I mean, cause it sounds like. And, and I may just be speaking off the cuff here is that maybe you're in the wrong role maybe you're maybe. not maybe you shouldn't be a videographer maybe you need to be more of a creative director project manager right because you, if you know a little bit about everything then you'll know enough at least to have to subcontract then and just have yeah. your video guy and have your 360 guy your VR guy because um, you know enough to at least talk their language then, which is yeah. cool so so I think there's something there too where like that's a cool opportunity to think about too in all of this but but to kind of get back kind of more centered on your gear and if you keep buying gear and stuff, i think I think you're right. I think that that's it's just like your talk earlier about trends and things like that if you start to chase gear, chase trends and you chase perfect, I think that's the thing too is a lot of people um, especially creatives, you know, they have this very high, um, um, bar that they want to achieve with their work, which is cool. However, like they let good be the enemy of perfect, you know, you creating a good video is just fine. And the client won't know perfect from good. But if you in your head you're like, yeah, but if I had that stabilization, if I had that one little tool, it would just be perfect. It's like, yeah, maybe, but what's the percentage points of how important that is, right? Like you, you made a video, it's a 92 percent, and sure, if you spend another three thousand, it'd be 94 percent good. I mean, like, just it's so it's good. Move on, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like the whole TikTok things, you know, like you you film a TikTok and it's low quality, and then you see a high quality ad of a car. They have to pay to have that thing viewed. Where like a creative video mm-hmm. is like okay i put that up there and everybody wants to view it for free so it's like it's a really weird In concept we it's live... all
0: concept right like yeah so if you're and gonna... it seems
1: like nowadays like the better your idea and your vision is the more views you get and technology doesn't really not matter anymore so i'm like you know,
0: yeah and i think you know sorry this just kind of blew up my mind a little bit i think maybe this next episode we'll talk about this or one of the next episodes but you know what's interesting is for all the time people put into gear and learning new gear and doing tutorials on software and learning all of these things that are outside of ourselves, how much time do creatives really put into actually coming up with new ideas? Right? Does every day, do you sit in front of a piece of paper, you know, get a word generator and then, and then where it says like coffee cup and dolphin, and then you have 10 minutes to come up with a hundred ideas about that. Like, why don't we do that? Like that's where the value is, right? It's the concept. And if you're just good at coming up with cool concepts, who even needs the gear?
1: yeah right because i that that is the thing like there's actually a big youtuber he's called Mr. Beast, and all he does is like basically is like crazy idea makes a crazy idea happen, and because he is like at a stage where it's like he made millions and basically he always reinvests and he always comes up with crazy ideas they became to a level that they are like, not really easy co- uh, copyable. So you cannot copy him because you don't have the same amount of money. Like, oh, I gave an island away, Oh, I gave away 100K and it all started with like, giving his first sponsored uh, sponsor money away basically. He gave 10 grand to a homeless guy and it got an insane amount of views because like, he did what? nobody would do that, you know? But he mm-hmm. comes up every morning apparently with like crazy ideas and he talks to other people to learn something new to get new ideas. And it seems like we're in an idea-based world where, oh, you got a crazy idea for AI for a crazy photo? Mm-hmm. It will get a lot of views if it's a good idea, kind of sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. And he's, he's, he's very big about... Um, Mr. Beast is, is very good. He runs a very good company of, of constantly doing things. So it's not like... So, like, when he did his Squid Games video, which I think is still his top video, with something yeah. like 100 million views or some crazy amount. 140 million or more. Something insane like that. Um, you know, while he was doing that, he was recording four other videos at the same yeah. exact time. So, 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 he's churning him out. You know, he's getting, he's to that point now where he's like, I have a cool idea, run with it, go. I have a cool yeah. idea, run with it, go. Um, he's in that beautiful place where he can lose a lot of money and he'll still be okay. So, he can kind of just keep, playing and putting out a lot of ideas but but you're right is his videos like for how much money he makes you know how polished actually, are his videos they're not even he, that polished really comparatively no. they're not they're not so like... so they're
1: highly polished for watch time but quality wise he specifically does not use like high quality cameras because they look too polished because it would look mm. like squid game and squid game is only good because the idea is good you know what I mean and the idea is like, oh, yeah, people fighting for money for their survival and they're basically getting killed and don't know what they sign up for. That's a Squid Game, you know? And, mm-hmm. and people was making fun of him because he's donating money for, and he basically fit the perfect world. What is a great Wait. idea? So it's yeah, four yeah, ideas
0: so it is it is it's like concept is king you know you I, I know you've heard that before but concept is the king i mean it really it, it truly is so i mean it's like so so i think it's funny uh, like that you know we, while we're able to invest all this time and money into the gear and into these apps and stuff i you know even to kind of build it back to like you know all of these tools being bought and acquired by bigger companies and then we have to learn these things you know it all comes back to can you generate creative ideas and like i think we should all including myself we should all take more time daily to like work that muscle out right um you know and if there's something out there that we'd have to pay to do that that may be worth the money too if there's something out there that helps you get better at being creative because that is that's that is the case right it's just like can we come up with the next cool weird idea that's more important than how good you can shoot something it just is
1: So, so I see that a lot in like music videos, for example, there's like people doing like the typical hip hop music video, you know, like you get a shot down and then there's like, it's in the ghetto and it's not really creative. It's all like guns into a thing. And it's like, it's terrible. It's not really creative. And I feel like if you have a good creative music video that tells a really interesting story, um, you will just watch the music video because you want to know that story. And if the song is a banger, you would go so viral. It's not funny
0: well yeah and i mean uh, to keep it in the hip-hop world let's let's take someone that's new that's done that that well right um like oh let's, now i'm
1: curious i have a list of like um good music videos like so now... like how about
0: this like like tyler the creator he's a great example of like he he was like i'm gonna do a lot of things that are not cool in the hip-hop world one of them's coming out and saying he's gay and just like yeah. coming out and like putting it in all of his songs that he's like totally gay and like that's not that that was not cool but like in, in that world is but now like, it is now that he's done it it's because it's like this whole because he saw the opportunities right so it goes back to that risk management right where a lot of rappers if there there probably is rappers out there that are gay that were like oh i can't come out bro that's not hard that's like that's yeah. like that's such a threat if i come out where he was like actually that's an opportunity right there's like a whole vacuum of people not doing this and and he's he's a good example of like while he says some pretty raw stuff in his songs Sometimes it's just the goofiest song in the world. Sometimes it's the goofiest music video. He'll be in like some uh, like a sunflower patch and stuff like that. So it's like you know, Little Nas X is another example of like, you know, like him just like doing weird stuff that's not that's not the usual um and yeah. and it's only benefited him outcast is an example of when we were growing up like that's such a weird example of like oh we're gonna do all this weird stuff and how well y- did you that know, work Lil, for them?
1: um there's a song called um save that money from little dicky and the whole concept is basically mm-hmm. he's making a music video about how to save money and it's a rap song obviously and he goes into rich neighborhoods and is like hey can i come in here in the villa and basically shoot a music video for free can i be on your yard for free can i be in your um, club for free and make a music video and basically the whole music video is filmed for free in those clubs and all they get is a shout out on the end and it's like a super creative music video i'm just like he did what? He's rapping about saving money and how he's like sharing like a coffee with his girl and whatever. <laughs> and it's like super hilarious. And it's like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's that. And I think anyone that starts to do that, they, they get kind of rewarded. You get rewarded for going outside of the lane. I mean,. I think at the very beginning people will tell you don't do that don't do that that's not the good you know they're they're focused on the threats but i think yeah that's where the that's where the risk and management comes in the risk management's not telling you to be obsessed about risk it's about you being like yeah i understand the risk but i'm going to do this anyway like i see the opportunities outweigh the risk and um we could all do that like i could take a hard left turn right now and start doing something i'm sure um that right now is like that would seem illogical but if i did it would would benefit me huge and huge and huge amounts um i yeah. we've all had to do that as creatives we've all had to do that right we've all had our parents our friends be like nah man you need to go sell insurance we're making 25 dollars an hour over there selling insurance why don't you do that and we've all each had to say no and be like no because i want to create stuff because i want because we we have to see the opportunities right because yeah if, if you're if you're obsessed with risk then you shouldn't even be in this career. It's, it's a risky career. If you want that safe career, there's plenty of careers out there where you're, you, there is no risk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so risk management's not about being obsessed with the risk, but it's something to definitely do. Always like be very wary of the risks and then also seeing the risks and doing the things the same. I think that's the biggest thing is, is that there is risks and doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and over again.
1: True uh, on that note. Now I'm highly inspired to do like some concepts and a uh, creative idea brainstorming because like, I think like actually after just talking about it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, uh, because <laughs> like, I, we all know the answers to our problems and it's all like common sense usually, but it's like somebody sometimes needs to point certain things out because like, yeah, yeah, it's well, that's all why we logical, other, right?
0: that's well, that's why we have each other that's why i love this podcast because we because <laughs> we can we can sit here we can call each other out we can bring it up we can you know yeah and by the way that's... i want to call your background out with the purple blue
1: light we dig it
0: <laughs> we dig it yeah we're getting on brand over here right you know and yeah. yeah your feedback right every 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 time we stop these podcasts we get off camera and we talk about what can be better what what are the risks what are the opportunities so i think that's the best thing, too, is like, you know, just talk to other people, you know, get it out from outside of yourself. Talk about the risks with other people because it, it, they open your eyes, man. I mean, you've opened my eyes to a few things and I, I get kind of stuck under and you're like, no, nah, man, don't worry about that. And like, yeah. it's so helpful. Yeah,
1: I'm a little bit more brute force and just doing things, what kind of bad and good at the same time. But I'm aware of it. That's the only good thing I can say about it.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I'm more, I'm more of the yeah. Let's be structured, let's have a plan, but I'm also aware that that means that like yeah, we could not never get it done. We'll never do it sometimes because yeah. <laughs> I'm too scared to. So yeah. yeah.
1: On, on that note, um, obviously we had a little hurricane uh, happening, and <laughs> Hurricane Ian came by and was like saying hello. So um that was also in the risk management world we were like deciding mm-hmm. do we have to move do we not have to move yeah it's, and it's, it's we it. had risk zones there was zone a zone B zone Z uh, up till D or whatever and yeah we basically decided to stay what was kind of a risky move after seeing the images of Fort Myers and I'm like we got lucky that it didn't hit us but we were mm-hmm. in the safe zone so where yeah it's interesting
0: rest- right yeah, yeah like yeah yeah because um so for anyone that knows knows uh doesn't know i should say so st Saint- so st petersburg is this peninsula that kind of juts out over uh tampa bay and so if the if if hurricane ian was going to make a direct hit which they were saying it was going to pass right over this peninsula before it got to tampa yeah. and you know it shifted. If it, it, yeah and thank god it shifted but yeah, you think of this it's just a peninsula in this huge body of water like you, you would think of this huge storm, this huge hurricane it's like yeah it could have it could have been bad but you guys are in the center of the peninsula so so when you guys like you guys not leaving i'm like okay if there's any place in this you guys are kind of in the highest part of of the peninsula which is like what 10 feet away from <laughs> off, the, <laughs> off the water but s- 60 actually <laughs> <laughs> 60 yeah that's actually pretty good but you know so you know so for you guys yeah it's interesting though right you had to do that risk management of like should we we go if we don't go here's the risks if we do go here's the risk because there is risks of going too you know if you guys would have have driven you would have maybe driven right into the you'd have driven right into the hurricane maybe
1: i would say it's like a risk of four days or four days being affected by like cleaning up um, traveling and spending probably also like hotels and whatever that would go easily into a thousand dollars just for like going away because like you have to buy gas you have to travel and -hmm. you lose out on opportunities because you're not down here so it's like it's really weird like there is a price to everything like you're not working is money um being spent
0: yeah yeah and yet again and and hurricane's an interesting example because the the path is always changing so it's a cool example of real life too right where the risk doesn't stay on this perfect this perfect straight line either so you guys could have left st pete and driven right in the hurricane that like changed paths you know so so you could have actually put yourself in worse risk by reacting to the risk which is an interesting thing too
1: yeah and in the end nobody really knows and it's a weird time so we got lucky
0: yeah, we live in a very risky world, right? So we all need to be good at risk management, right? I mean, in every situation, and it's sad to say, in situations that didn't used to be risky. When you send your kids the first day of school or first grade, there's risk management there now. Um, you know, so yeah. it's it's and something there's homeschooling that homeschooling
1: too. You know, like if you do the homeschooling, you're trying to avoid that risk. Now you have the risk of like being non-social, not having enough friends. You don't know what that means long-term because there's no real studies, you know, for all of that. Like what happens to a person staying at home, not playing with other kids in the, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, even I, as a driving instructor, when I was a driving instructor, when we would get kids that came in riding in the back seat and you could tell that they were homeschooled, you could just, you could just tell those kids I I felt for um, when they would get in behind that driving wheel, you would think I threw them in front of the wheel of a spacecraft or something um, where, you know, the, the kids that played in sports and, like, were on the playgrounds or in public schools, they jumped behind the steering wheel and did great. They were like, whatever. So you're right. There's there's always a risk, right? There's always some payoff or, or always some penalty for, for doing and not doing stuff. So it's just being aware of it. I think it's like, it's always just identifying, analyzing, changing what you can and then just repeating that and then and not getting caught caught in it. I think that's the biggest thing too is just don't get stuck in the risk. you know yeah. uh, there's a lot of things too when they're equal like this when it's like 50 50, then just choose just get over it and move on. like that's that's what I do in my life when it's like dang, there really is exact amount of pros and exact amount of cons, I just say, okay, well, then make the decision, move on
1: so so here's an interesting thing so um there's a new anime coming out and it was like oh it's called cyberpunk 77 uh 2077 or whatever and that is an old pc game that came out two years ago it was really cool concept really cool art style and i'm like we watched it because i don't barely watch anything but i like to spend the time with my girl and i'm like now i watched it now i want to play the video game and like, mm-hmm. should i play the video game is it a risk yes it is a risk i spent the time but now i'm getting inspired with like 360 stuff and the, the vr stuff because so in the video game there's vr in the vr so you put on classes and now i figured out how to put like that game into vr so it's like a weird inception i'm like is it worth the risk of enjoying myself or is it not so, well
0: yeah uh, yeah i mean your time is worth stuff i mean uh if we're gonna get into that there's it's like then it's yeah. a never-ending story <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I got a shout out. It's a great show. Cyberpunk 2077 is becoming a pretty good game as well. Uh, you know, it's what's cool about that is it's really just the world building. It's what, what I like. I like these things too. I do. I do tell myself is, is like, it, it does help to to kind of sponge up all this stuff so things like cyberpunk the aesthetic what they're doing it is good for you because you are studying everything you're doing you're studying you and experience in
1: life kind of you know
0: exactly so you you can use that stuff that stuff does appear in other places even if you don't even realize it so um so yeah so the risk of of getting back in the game is like yeah you could spend but then yet again if you see the risk you can still do it but then maybe you set an hour timer when you play you're like okay cool here's a one hour timer on my phone because I know the risk is I waste a lot of time on this
1: the organized and structured Sean telling me my unstructured way <laughs> you're right with that because like my problem is like I don't want to do. Netflix, for example, because like you get stuck in this binge watching and you spend too much time. And obviously the benefit is like, you can talk about stuff. You get inspired by stuff and you're being part of society. You watch what everybody else is watching and you can be part of that community and you can talk about it. And my problem usually is like, I don't do that. I'm very niche in like, let's do only YouTube videography and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's okay. I mean, you used Mr. Beast uh, earlier as an example. When he was younger, when he was a kid, before YouTube was even cool, he just watched YouTube videos all the time. Um, He doesn't even know in any interviews with Mr. Beast, people bring up movies and video games and stuff, and he's like, I've never watched them. Even well-known movies he's never watched because he's like, I only have ever watched YouTube videos because he's fully dedicated himself. Even before, yet again, before YouTube was cool, everyone was like, there wasn't people being paid on YouTube, and he was still the guy that was sitting there studying it um so yeah it's you're right though there's always a risk with your time and that's something that i i need to get better with too Of just like yeah don't waste your time on anything but yeah yet again though it's like seeing that risk and then just you can yeah use tools just use tools we, we live in a time of infinite tools so we might as well use them
1: yeah and it really seems like nowadays you can consume more because it's all about the ideas and the more good ideas you consume the more good ideas you become get you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i'm just like maybe i'm just trying to find excuses to consume more of my favorite um animes games whatever you know so mm-hmm. it's like a really weird um edge to walk
0: <laughs> well it's true because it does it does put you away in this box maybe where but then what what's the alternative do i do i tell you to start really, you know watching pride and prejudice and a bunch of other stuff that you never would watch. Should you go, you know, watch little woman or something so you can get a more because you're not, you're not going to be able to. So it's, so it's okay. That comes back to that niche, right? You're your own niche. You're your own person. Right. And so, um, yeah, but you're right. It's, it's that risk management of everything you do, but yeah, not being, not being obsessed about it, but definitely, um, being aware of it. So, yeah. But yeah, man, we're at an hour and 16 minutes, so I think we, we wrap this up. Wait, you know, We don't um, give those people some risk about their time being wasted, you know what I mean?
1: I mean, <laughs> they probably watch it in the car and have nothing better to do, and also there is nothing better to do, but that is obviously clear facts right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, nothing better to do than watch this podcast, because this is the best thing out there, the best content out there. I can cream to la <laughs> cream.
1: Not the bottom of... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> a German trying to say French and English is probably the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the cream de la cream, right?
1: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. thank I you as far always, farol. my friend.
0: It's, it's, it's fun as always. I think um, I do want to shout out yet again here in a, in a few more episodes. I know these kind of come out a little bit after the fact. We'll be doing our first live show. Um, there's also talks of other fun things like Patreons and stuff. So we're excited to share a lot with you guys out there. Money. Money. <laughs> But if you're here, you know, the best thing you can do is please like these videos, uh, comment, please put them anywhere. We're, we're always we're always in the need of, of people like you that are watching to just help empower us. And we'll keep giving you good stuff. You just keep giving us yeah. good stuff.
1: Also, on that note, like, we, we're just, like, giving you guys ideas and concepts. And it's all about ideas and concepts. So get inspired and have a good day.
0: Get inspired. I'll see you guys soon. And be creative.